friends, welcome back to the Field and Garden Podcast. It's your friend, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and thanks so much for joining me here today. I, in this episode, I am sharing a chat that I held over on Clubhouse, and it was titled, Having Faith in Cool Flowers. And I've been kind of talking about this subject now. It's January when I'm recording this, and it's the dead of winter for some people, um, and people are so afraid with their cool season hardy annuals um, that they fall planted. And I mean, I'm getting so many DMs and emails and social media posts, and there's just a lot of folks, and I totally get it because I've been there. So in this episode, I'm just reviewing some of those vulnerable points that you just really need to get on target with to help your cool flowers be the best cool flowers they can to survive winter. Because friends, here's the thing, cool flowers um, is not afraid. They are not afraid of cool and cold weather. It is us, but we have to give them what they need. And that's what I'm talking about today. So let's have a listen. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Lisa. How's it going? It's good, and Jesse and I are trying something new today that Clubhouse lets us. We have just pinned um, one of my many articles about cool flowers. So, um, oh, it's one o'clock, so I'm going to get the show started. Um, welcome, everybody. My name is Lisa Mason Ziegler, and welcome to the Flower Farmer Show. And I am joined here today by one of our team members, Jessie Graven, and she is here to help us with the admin. So, Jessie, you want to share how people can submit their questions um, for that I would love to answer for them, as well as how, what the what the little pin that I just posted at the top can do for them. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Jesse, and I'm glad to be here today with Lisa. I want to let you know a few things about the room here. Um, first of all, um, if you're not familiar with the Clubhouse Clubs, I would let you know that um, if you go to the top of the screen there, um, this section, uh, it says at the top, Flower Farming, and there's a greenhouse. Uh, if you click on that, it'll give you the option to join Lisa's club here on Clubhouse. And Lisa, if you could please mute yourself just for a second. Thank you. Okay, so um, so if you join the club here on Clubhouse, then uh, you'll be notified when Lisa schedules her new chats. We've been doing them weekly at the same time, but um, if you join the club, you'll be notified and you'll have an opportunity to add that to your calendar if you like. So. I uh, wanted to also let you know that um, we now are using the replays feature here on Clubhouse. And so what that means is that this chat will be available to listen to after we're finished today, which is nice uh, in case you want to review something or if you want to refer somebody to it to listen later. Another thing uh, that is nice about the ch Clubhouse chats is that you can invite friends into the chat room. So um, the way you would want to do that um, is you can hit the, um, the little symbol at the bottom that looks like a person with a plus sign. And that will pull up everybody that you're friended with or are following here on Clubhouse. And you can click on their photo to invite them to the chat if you like. And we appreciate everybody being here. Lisa loves to answer questions during these chats. So 
there are a couple different ways that you can ask questions. You can use the hand raising feature, the little button at the bottom there, uh, to let Lisa know that you would like to come up to the stage and ask your question. And then you also have the option of texting your question to me and then I can ask it on your behalf to Lisa. So the way you would do that uh, is you would use the back channel feature, which is the little paper airplane icon at the bottom right of your screen. If you tap on that and then put my name in, J-E-S-S-I, my image should come up. And if you tap on that, you should be able to send me a message and uh, I will reply when I get it. So um, I wanted to just uh, thank everyone again for being here today. And I'm looking forward to this discussion. Cool flowers is always a great topic. All right, Lisa, thank you. Thank you, Jesse, so much for that. So let's get started with our topic today is having faith in cool flowers. And this is my topic of the week, probably of the whole month of January, because I have so many folks reaching out, um, being scared um, for their plants and cold weather. And we're just, so I just thought this would just be a great topic. And I just want to say front and center that um, growing cool flowers definitely has growing pains, not for the flowers, um, but for you. And what I really just want to suggest to everybody is the best growth in us happens through pain and hard lessons. So if you are suffering from some problem with cool flowers, which I may or may not reference here today, just know to make, I mean, all of our mistakes or uh, wrong choices, um, make the most out of them. And that means to learn from them. And that's where, how it kind of happened for me. So I just don't want anybody to be discouraged. And um, so let's just talk about that so many people right now are really learning some very valuable lessons, right? I mean, I'm getting just loads of DMs, the office is getting emails of people that just aren't sure about what they've done. They're just unsure, basically, right? And I will say to you that when, when you nail it with cool flowers, meaning you got them in at the right time, um, the right place, in the right state, and you're growing them, for your winter hardiness zone, you are not going to believe how carefree and beautifully they do. But that is not always the case. We sometimes um, hiccup or don't follow the, what the suggested rules are, which is perfectly fine. Um, but I really recommend in the beginning and when you're really getting your feet wet with cool flowers, which could take four or five years, um, to really try to follow the guidelines so that you do have more success. So I thought what I would share is when cool flowers um, are planted in their, as those things I just listed, you know, at the right place at the right time and these things that kind of guide us with cool flowers, they do so beautifully. But it's when we don't always follow those guidelines and we all fall victim to this. Sometimes we don't even know we're doing something incorrectly. Other times we are just pushed to the limits and we have to make a, a poor choice. Um, and it's when those times happen 
is when cool flowers can become vulnerable. Um, but I will tell you that once you, I mean, it's like watching people, the light bulb just turn on over their head after, you know, I have, especially when I was talking in person at conferences, you know, people will come up afterwards and say, you know, I struggled for like number of years with this and sweet peas was always a, a really popular one with sweet peas and never could get it right. And then I finally planted them in the fall for my area and in the right spot. And oh my gosh, we have sweet peas coming out of our ears. So take heart friends, there is guidelines. And when we try our best to follow them, the results are really good and cool flowers can take down some storms y'all. Um, I will tell you before I go down my little list of what some of those things that make them vulnerable, um, here in southeastern Virginia, you know, we just kind of had a little storm. And what we kind of have more here of than other people do is we tend to get cold temperatures with not a lot of snow. Um, you know, I'm looking for six inches of snow on my garden for full protection. That's would be like a marriage made in heaven. But that's not what usually happens as it happened this week. This week, um, the temperatures were going to plummet down into the low 20s and they were calling for snow, which meant I had to take my row covers down, right? We always take row covers down when snow is coming, but yet it's getting kind of cold and I have two or three varieties that I'm growing that are kind of on the edge of whether they are or aren't winter hardy. Um, so I feel your pain. I was out standing at my garden staring night before last. Do you take the covers down or do you leave them up? You know, you feel vulnerable both ways. So I totally and completely understand that. Um, so my problem is, is we get cold temperatures with the threat of snow, but then the snow doesn't often come through and our covers are down. Um, so there's just a lot of, there's a lot of vulnerability involved in growing cool flowers, but I will tell you, you get stronger with each passion year and you figure it out, even though the weather is very unpredictable now, you just kind of figure out which is the least damaging way to go. And for me, it would have been better to take my covers down, which I did, um, and risk some cold damage than leaving the covers up and having a lot of snow come and smothering my cool flowers if that would have, snow would have stuck around for a while. So let's talk about some of the things that make cool flowers vulnerable when we don't follow or aren't able to follow those guidelines. Um, hands down, I would say is wrong planting time. I mean, I get tons of messages from people saying, I didn't get my cool flowers planted. Don't you think that we could plant them late? Sure, you can plant them late. But what happens is when cool flowers that you're fall planting, particularly this is really true for, when they go into winter without their best game face on, that's when you start to have troubles and improper planting times. And that can go either way. That can mean planting too early and getting really large plants that make them more vulnerable to winter damage or planting really late, which means they perhaps don't have quite the root system that's very well established to face the cold or they don't get a little bit of um, top growth a little, you know, what you want them to have to go through winter. 
So the wrong planting time um, is really paramount in my in my book. Um, I try to get that part right um, and and write it in stone on my calendar. When when do I have to start seeds for to have the proper planting time, or when do I have to order seeds to be able to direct seed at the proper time? And then making it a part of my workday when that date comes around. Another thing that I see people um, struggling with is sometimes we're just planting puny transplants um, for whatever reason um, that we really have to button up our game on growing healthy, um, strong transplants. Because if you plant a puny cool flower, it's different than planting warm season stuff. When we plant let's just say, you know, beginning of summer and you're planting warm season annuals. If you have a plant that looks a little, eh -eh, you know, you're not sure, it's really okay because those plants are going to be planted and they're going to hit the ground running to grow because it's the growing season. That's not true for cool flowers. They have to go through a lot of tough conditions to get over to the other side where spring is, right? So when we put them in, puny or questionable. You know, my rule is if you have to look at the plant twice to think, oh, is that really a good one? Then it's not good enough. Um, and that's why we always start more seeds than we need plants. It's to allow for all of these practices. Here's another one that I often see is folks um, direct seeding when transplants are what are recommended or vice versa. Um, I often find that people choose to plant any flower or plant, not just cool flowers, they choose, tend to choose their personal preferred method over what is the best method to end up with the best plant in the garden. Um, and so a lot of times that's due to lack of education um, or just not realizing that that's even an issue. But every plant, when I say a preferred method to start, it just means it's easier and more successful, which is what 99% of people want. There is the person that doesn't mind a challenge, but um, I will tell you as a commercial grower, that should not be you. That's a waste of, a, that's a gamble um, that you just don't need to take. So figuring out which way it needs to go is really, really important. And here is another one. There's so many good ones, y'all. I mean, there's just so many reasons that cool flowers may suffer or even you may lose them, but they almost all fall into these categories. The next one is fall planting a cool flower that's not in fact winter hardy in your zone, and then you're not taking extraordinary measures, um, which I don't recommend anybody do that until you are a very seasoned grower. Um, there's too many cool flowers um, that are easier to do than to go through that. And what I mean is somebody, let's just take for instance, um, dill and straw flowers are both cool flowers that are like, sometimes they survive in zone seven, sometimes they don't, but they're pretty reliable in zone eight. Um, and so if you live in zone seven, um, you have to know that you better give those that dill, everything it needs to be the healthiest, the most established, um, the perfect size as it goes into winter, or you're really gonna lose them. Um, so fall planting dill is okay if you know the risk, 
But if you aren't aware of it and don't take some steps to kind of give it a little ump up because of that it's not winter hardy in your zone and you lose it, you kind of beat yourself up over it. But the writing is on the wall, y'all. The writing is really on the wall. So fall planting only what is winter hardy in your winter hardiness zone is you know, step one in being successful with overwintering cool flowers. Another one, particularly if you have a wet winter, um, and this is really, I mean, it's true for everybody, but those of us like me that, I mean, here in Southeastern Virginia, we just get so much monsoon rain anymore. It's like it won't rain for 10 or 12 days. And then all of a sudden, you know, inches come all at one time. Planting cool flowers in areas that have excellent drainage is really, really key. They succumb to wet feet problems, whether it's disease or just simply drowning, um, because cool weather gardening and farming, um, the soil is not drying out naturally like it does in the heat of summer. It's cool and cold, so you can't depend on that part of a drying out process. You really have to have great drainage. And a lot of cool flowers are super susceptible. You know, sweet peas, I mean, I could list them all actually, but stuff just really needs to be in an area, the very best draining area that you have in your garden um, or on your farm. And then I'll tell you this from firsthand, um, you know, here this time of the year at the Gardener's Workshop, I'm at the Fulfillment Center today, right? And, you know, we're just piled high with orders from over at the holidays. And it's, you know, we're going into the busy, this is the busiest month of the year, January is. And, you know, people don't have enough row covers on hand. They don't have enough row covers for the amount of cool flowers that they've planted. And then a weather event is coming and they order. And we know this because they're like begging us to please, you know, push their order forward. And we do our best to help people when we can. But that is kind of a basic um, rule with me is I want to have at least enough row cover to cover my entire cool flower garden in the event. You know, I mean, I'm in zone eight. If I'm planting stuff that, um, you know, is are, are really important crops, let's just say that. Um, I can remember one year we were dropping down to single digits for just a couple days at night. This was a couple years ago. And I had the most gorgeous stand of Bells of Ireland seedlings. Um, we direct seed them in the fall. You know, they were, I mean, I had a whole 120 foot bed. It was amazing. I was terrified I was going to lose them. Um, and I was just so grateful that I had enough row cover, not to just cover them once, but I actually double and even triple covered part of the bed where I had enough to do that for those couple of nights. Not having your security blanket after you've grown really great crops is really, really a problem. Um, so it is just really following some general guidelines and trying to stay between the lines, at least while you're getting your feet wet, right, is really um, what my recommendation is to people. And cool flowers, in spite of us, typically takes the cold like a champ, unless we've made them vulnerable in whatever way that is. 
Um, and so I'm going to, um, we do have one hand up, I think, or and I'm going to ask Jesse, do you have anybody um, that is, I'm going to invite Carol up. And Carol, when you come up, just mute yourself for just a second and I'll find out from Jesse. Do you have anything on the back channel, Jesse? I do. I have several questions. You want me to give you one to start? Sure. That'd be great. Okay. I have one from Sue. She says, should I be worried that some of my cool flowers are starting to bloom? That is just such a really great question because we get that really often. And um, some, sometimes that happens. And my rule of thumb is this, the way that I handle early blooming for whatever reason um, is to, um, so here's the consideration that I think of when I see that happen. Are we really heading into deep winter finally? I mean, I know we can still have warm days, but if we're through this windows of these warm runs of days, um, then I, in fact, will, if we're in winter, I'll go ahead and just take that stem off just like I was cutting it for a cut flower, just getting rid of it. But if we're still experiencing warm days and there's more warmer weather than I think we're supposed to be having in, in the two-week forecast, I just leave it. Because when you pinch, that sends the signal to the plant to send up more stems. And we really don't want to do that. We want the cold weather to really put cool flowers into dormancy for that brief period of time. And um, so if it's finally gotten cold where you are, but there's a few plants that have blooms on them, you know, really you could go either way. You could leave them or you could cut them. But if you're still experiencing warm weather, I would leave it because you do not want to encourage more stems to grow. So Carol, would you like to unmute yourself and ask your question? So while Jesse, do you have another question why Carol maybe figures out? Carol, if you, um, Jesse, can you tell her perhaps how to unmute? I don't know how it appears. Yeah, so the, the mute button is at the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, and it looks like a little microphone. And if, there, there you go. she is. Hi. Hi. Hi, Carol. Thanks for coming Hi. up and asking. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to you on your replays, and this is the first time I've caught you live, but I'll get straight to my question. I am in South Georgia, Zone 8B, and I missed my window to plant my bupleurum last fall. But I'm looking at the back of the seed package, and it says it will germinate at 55 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And my soil temperature is staying at 60 right now. So I wondered if I could risk direct sowing the bupleurum since it is the suggested best way to do it or would you wait that is such a great question carol and you know you did your homework and i would say because of where you are and how warm it is i would definitely try direct sowing some the thing to keep in mind about bupleurum is bupleurum is a really slow germinator and it will be even slower if the conditions are a little cooler than what it really wants. And when it does first sprout, they are the thinnest, tiniest little seedlings, as well as they are often burgundy-ish in color. So you really can't see them. So you'll really have to keep your eyes peeled. But I would definitely give that a try because bupleurum is definitely one of those that will germinate at cooler temps. And because you're not in a deep freeze like the rest of us, um, then I would definitely go for it. 
Oh, thank you so much. I do have one more little question, but I don't sure. want to. Go ahead. This is really not about cool flowers, but I have a quick question. Because we get powdery, powdery mildew, usually in July here in South Georgia, should I still space my sunflowers six inches or would you go further for better airflow? The problem with doing that is when you go further apart, the flowers are going to get too big to really be useful as a cut flower. But I would definitely focus on growing um, those varieties that are resistant. There are several colors in the pro cut family. There is an orange. I think the bi color, there's four or five of them um, that are downy mildew resistant. And I would only be growing those varieties. Be sure that you're rotating well. Um, and because you don't want to be doing sunflowers repeatedly in the same air spot um, once you've had that, because it, it can become a really big problem. But I would still space them close, just grow varieties that are resistant. Thank you so much. And I'll let some get a question in. Thank you, Lisa. Thank and you, Carol. So Lisa, I was just going to add, in case anyone's uh, unfamiliar with the downy mildew resistant varieties, you'll probably see those listed as DMR after the name of the, of the variety. Oh, good point. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Sherry. Do you have a question? Hi, Lisa. Yes, this is my first year using um, hoops and row covers. I'm in zone 6A in Rhode Island, and we're supposed to get snow on Friday. And I'm just confused whether I put the row cover back over it once it snows or I leave them off. That is a really great, great question that I hear that a lot from folks, and I understand completely your confusion. And um, so once you put the covers down and the snow comes, you're not going to even attempt to put the row covers back up until the snow is melted. Not only would it be physically impossible because the row covers will be frozen and stuck together, but the snow literally is a better insulator than those row covers could have ever provided. So they're actually like a warm blanket on your plants. Um, so until the, and actually I just went out, um, I actually, it's so funny, even last night um, I walked out to my garden at dusk when my husband said it's going to be in the I'm not sure if it was last night or the night before it's going to be in the low 20s and I, I knew my covers were down because we had just had snow and I, he, I said I'm going to run out there and put my covers up on just a few areas of the garden he said okay I went out there and I thought what was I thinking I mean they're frozen solid <laughs> so the choice has been made for you you won't be putting them back up until the snow is pretty much gone does that help Yes, very much. Thank you so much for all you do. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for coming up. Thanks. So right, I have Jess. some other ones. Yeah, I have some other ones here on the back channel, if that's okay. Sure. Um, I have uh, from Christy. Uh, she's in uh, Zone 7B, North Carolina. Uh, she says, my rows are prepared. Can I go ahead and plant out my winter hardy cool flower seedlings at the beginning of February? At the beginning of February, or is it necessary in my zone to wait until February 14th. Um, also, she says, is there a cool weather seedling that you would say absolutely don't try to grow in very early spring in my zone 7B? Um, all good questions. And your window of when to plant is really based on your frost dates, not your zone. Your zone only tells you, your winter hardiness zone, whether or not you can fall plant. 
that's really all your zone is really not, um, needed for. Um, so the planting dates of when you would do fall planting or very early spring planting is definitely works from your frost date. And so you just want to work back six to eight weeks from when um, that from your last spring frost, your historic last spring frost, and mark your calendar. And that's your optimal window of planting. And I will say, you know, if your beds are all prepared, you know, if you have a window of opportunity a week before your eight weeks and you have hoops and row covers, if you needed, I would say plant early. You know, I would, I'm all about getting stuff in earlier than later um, because depending on our spring, sometimes where I am, we go straight from winter right into hot, humid weather. We don't have those cooler days and nights like what spring is really like. Um, and so really where, um, you know, 7B, I don't know what your summers are like, um, but what you just have to what I think about when I'm deciding whether or not I'm going to very early spring a crop, plant a crop, especially if I'm not familiar with it yet. And, you know, we're always adding, we're discovering, I'm discovering um, plants that are cool season hardy annuals that I wasn't aware of, right? Is I think of, do I, did I struggle to get good stem length? If you plant, like Bells of Ireland is one I would never very early spring plant because it will just be 10 inches tall when I do that because it barely gets sprouted, I mean, up and growing before the heat comes and we either lose it to, you know, bacteria spots or it's just too short. Um, so that is my key is whether if it's a disease, pest, predisposed plant, I try not to do very early spring. And if it's, if I struggle to get good stem length, that's another one that makes it an iffy candidate for whether I plant it in very early spring. Was that all of that, Jessie, or did she ask me something else? I'm sorry. Well, she was saying, is there anything for, for 7B that you would definitely not try to plant in the spring? You know, I mean, it just really depends on, it's like if she's in the mountainous areas, I would plant everything. But if you get an early heat, humidity, weather early in the spring, um, you know, I wouldn't do snaps. Snaps are the one crop that the, the, the excellent performance, abundance, and stem length and size of fall planted snaps. It doesn't matter how many times, I, I mean, we plant a ton in the fall and then I've often would think I'll plant more in very early spring. The very early spring planting um, underperforms the fall planted every year. It falls victim to rust. They aren't as tall, they aren't as abundant. Um, so again, what I say doesn't work for me may not in fact work for you. I say do little tests, do small plantings of, you know, that's what I did is I planted everything for many years in fall and very early spring and some stuff, it just wasn't worth it. We just didn't need it. Um, and that's what I would recommend to people to do. Okay, um, I have one from Autumn, and Autumn says, if I didn't direct seed Queen Anne's Lace in fall, should I sow it indoors in January? Or if I have a bed prepared, can I direct seed in January? 
So if you're speaking of the real darkest variety of um, false Queen Anne's lace or the Ami Magus, which is the white um, version of what looks like Queen Anne's lace, both of those, I've done both think both of what you've just mentioned, Autumn. Um, and depending on my weather outdoors, I have had pretty okay um, results direct seeding it um, in very early spring. But the problem is if it stays too chilly for too long, the seeds just sit there and they don't sprout until, you know, just a few, a couple, three, we, four weeks before last frost and you kind of lose that. So I would say for me is I would start them indoors and the secret about getting great germination on Ami Magus and Dawkus that I have found starting them indoors and we of course start them in soil blocks um, is we place them on the seedling heat mat for only 24 hours to just warm the soil and warm that seed for that short period of time. Then we take them off the heat mat and just set them on a shelf in that grow room, which is at about 65 degree air temperature and just water them like you do everything else in the room. Um, and I'm telling you, we get almost a hundred percent germination. It takes about seven to 10 days for it to happen, but I would definitely probably do that over sowing them outdoors. Okay, thanks. Um, so then I have one from Melanie. She's asking about, she's in central Virginia, and uh, she says the snow's going to be gone soon that came recently. And she says that they have uh, a week of temperatures in the upper teens and low 20s coming. And she's wondering if she needs to double cover for Bells of Ireland snaps and Ami and Blue Perm. So that's a really great question. Um, so Ami Magus, tell me again what she's got planted. Snaps and Bupleurum, I think would probably be all right. Although, you know, we, we cover our plants not for winter cold protection as much as just general good health. Um, what was the other thing she said? Ami and something else. Yeah, Bell's Violin, Snaps, Bells. Ami and, Blue, and Bupleurum and Bachelor Buttons, but I think Bachelor Buttons are okay. Yeah. Um, so of those, the bachelor buttons, the snaps and the bupleurum um, are super cold hardy. And I think you're probably zone seven um, in central Virginia um, would probably be all right. They would benefit from being covered just so they won't sustain any foliage damage, perhaps if they were. Um, but the Ami Magus can definitely sustain foliage damage at that, those low temperatures. It won't often completely die but it does significantly damage the foliage um, and bells could be the same way. And because the foliage um, actually is part of the foliage that'll be on the mature stems, I would say for sure, um, I would probably double cover Ami and bells, but the others should be fine, I would think. Great, okay. So um, I, because I forgot to mention this earlier and it's a new thing, I wanted to just point it out again. Um, Lisa had mentioned that um, we pinned a link to the top of the chat room here. And this is our first time doing this. Um, and it says the secret sauce of growing cool season flowers from the gardener's workshop. So that's a link to one of Lisa's articles on her website. 
and um, it, it, it has information for uh, growing cool flowers, but it also has links to tons of her other free resources related to cool flowers. There's so much information there. And so if you click on that link, it should not take you out of this chat. It'll just open it up as a separate window. But we wanted to make you guys aware of, of how to, to use that new feature. Um, so I do have uh, another question here from Stephanie. She says, are there any references for what each seedling looks like as they emerge? I planted in roses, you suggested, but deer ran through, and now I don't know which are weeds and which are flowers. Yeah, that um, that is just so annoying. And we have deer walk through our garden, too. Um, so the, the, the 30 cool flowers that are in cool flower, the book cool flowers, um, does have images on most of them, I believe. And that is something that I am working on. Just can't believe how hard it is to kind of do that. Um, and so other than just putting that into a search engine, the specific name of what you're wondering about and seedling, um, and then hit on the search bar. It normally will say all or images or shop hit images and it'll just bring up tons of images. And, um, you know, hopefully it'll be a reliable source that you actually come upon, but, um, but there is some in cool flowers. That's a great idea. I've actually done that myself, looked up uh, what seedlings look like just from the Google search of images. So if you look at enough enough uh, entries, even if you get a few in there that aren't correct, you should be able to get a consensus at some point. So, um, okay, so I have, let's see, one more question on here, it looks like uh, from Janet. She says, is it too early to start Rubecchia seeds? for zone 5B6A to plant in early spring. My frost date is end of May. Okay, so that's a great question. So end of May, end of April, end of March. So the end of March would be the, when you would be targeting to plant those. And Rudbeckia is one of those slow growers. We were, I was just, I don't know where I was commenting on this. Um, Rudbeckia is just a slow poke. And so we, that is actually the first cool flower we start in the fall, the seed, um, further in advance of all the others. So I would say to you that you would probably, so if you're planting the end of March, I don't know if you're soil blocking or in, I can't comment on a cell tray, but I would give eight weeks in a soil block for sure and just give it the conditions it wants. You know, those cooler, cool, warm, 65 to 70, um, bright good grow light um and they'll do beautifully but they're painful it's painful to watch because it's so slow right <laughs> well she janet also asked uh, as an unrelated question she says does a thicker row cover that you cannot see through provide more protection than one i can see through say that again she's wondering if a thicker row cover like one she cannot see through uh, would provide more protection than one she could see through. Okay, so good question again. And they're, the reason that I use the lightest weight, and they actually call it often, and we call it floating row cover, it's light enough that it does have some uses without hoops. The reason I choose to go with the lightest weight is, first off, I only want one weight of row cover on my farm because you can't believe how easy it is to get them mixed up. And when you get a heavier cloth, um, it blocks more light um, and it doesn't allow water. So the, the, the 
Ag 19, which is what we use in cell, allows 85% of light and water penetration. And that's why we can leave it up all winter um, and our plants do beautifully. If you use a heavier cloth, you have to know that you're going to have to perhaps monitor and help with watering potentially because water may not penetrate it as much. Um, and the light factor is another real big problem of that. So for me, um, it just made better sense to use lightweight row covers. And in the instances that I did need a heavier cover, which was not nearly as frequently as I needed a lighter cover, I would just double them. Okay, yes. So then I have uh, from Christy, uh, she says, I was given a grow light rack that I'm grateful for, but I'm not educated about knowing which lights need to be at what height. Do you have any suggestions or can you point me to something that would help with placement of grow lights on a rack? Um, so that's a good question. Grow lights are very confusing to people and I am by a long shot, not a grow light specialist. Um, I just, um, I use, we, I use and sell um, T12 and T8 lights. Actually, I think they're T12s. They used to be T8s. T8 and T12s um, are the um, lights give off a very small amount of warmth, which is very beneficial to seedlings. And that light can actually be placed just above the canopy of what's growing underneath of it. I mean, like just two or three inches above your seedlings. This allows you to maximize um, grow light stands so you can have more shelves with more seedlings growing. Some lights like T5 bulbs, which are really small and the way you can identify them, they're about the size of your pinky in diameter. They get super hot and you have to really space them out from the canopy of your seedlings. In fact, um, I did buy some years ago, not knowing any of this. Um, I cooked several um, shelves of seedlings in just one day. I mean, literally cooked them to like toast that was left in the toaster too long. Um, and so what we had to do was eliminate some of my shelves. So it really um, impeded upon how many seedlings I could actually start and support at a time. So the quick answer to your question is, is you need to look at what kind of lights you're buying and then what that recommendation is for the uh, how far away from the seedlings. The ones that we offer, um, you can put within two or three inches of the seedlings and it actually benefits the seedlings to have that little bit of warmth, but it does not overheat them. Okay, let's see. I do have another one here. And this will be our last one, I think. Okay. Let's see. What are, okay, what are all your longer, okay, sorry. <laughs> She's asking about flowers that take longer to germinate and grow into good seedlings. Yes. And she says, um, which ones are those that you would start earlier than six to eight weeks before last frost? She mentions here eucalyptus and rudbeckia, but she's wondering if there are other ones like that that take a long time. Not that I actually start myself. You know, lisianthus would definitely fall into that same category, um, but it's even slower than rudbeckia. Um, and 
I'm just thinking, sorry. Um, Rudbeckia, because we grow so many, we grow like probably six or seven different varieties of Rudbeckia, um, that creates a significant portion for us to start. Um, but really, Rudbeckias are all that come to mind to be slow enough growers that we start them a couple, three weeks before we start our other cool season hardy annuals. Um, so we're just about out of time and I um, I just appreciate everybody joining us here and, you know, I, something that's just been kind of running around in my mind because um, I apply it to myself even in business today. And um, I read this somewhere and unfortunately I can't remember the person that said it. It was a gentleman um, that's not with us anymore, I believe, but he gave some advice and he said that slowly is the fastest way to get where you want to be. And I added as a flower farmer, I'll say it again, slowly is the fastest way to get where you want to be. And that just means that I know that everybody wants to be successful super quick and have a great crop right out of the gate, but it just doesn't happen like that, folks. I mean, you have to, you know, hit potholes and run over the speed bump and drag the bottom of the car and all of those things that we all wished and hoped that we could, um, you know, get it perfectly right. But I promise that once you hit it right with one cool flower, and it just does beautifully and you it's the one that you actually ignored you know because you did everything right for that one or you followed the guidelines i don't want to say right um, but you figured out for your region for your winter hardiness zone what you know what grows best for you and i'll tell you one other little thing and then we're signing off here um, those are the flowers that i gravitated to i am not looking for a struggle at all that's why for me it seems pretty simple to say all right what does it need give me the abcs all right i'll do that and if they fail i'll try three times that's my number i'll try something i'll grow something for three years in a row um and if it's not coming out smelling like a rose at the end it gets off my list and so not everything grows great for everybody and just remember that, you know, good growth happens through pain and hard lessons. And there's just no more painful time for people than right now, y'all. You just can't believe the messages that I'm getting over people that are just really just let it go. Um, and what you need to think about now is what can I do to be a better cool flower grower next time. And I'm telling you, writing on that calendar to have your seeds at the proper time, to start transplants at the proper time, to have seeds to direct sow at the proper time is the best thing you can do moving forward. So Jesse, I really appreciate you joining me here today and sharing with me the tip to be able to share one of my articles here on Clubhouse. And I just hope everybody has a great week and we'll be back here next week at 1 p.m. Eastern time for the Flower Farmer Show. And um, thank you, Jesse. It was my pleasure as always. Thanks everyone, have a great day. Yep, thank you everybody. See you again soon, ciao. All right, friends, I hope 
this kind of inspired you. If you are in the ditches right now with cool flowers, meaning you've, you know, made some wrong choices or you're having a lot of troubles, make the most of your troubles. Make them a learning experience. Figure out what you did right or wrong. Figure out when are you supposed to plant. Should it be planted in the fall where you are? Is it winter hardy? And build your little, your personalized, custom little data bank for your area for cool flowers. And then get it on your calendar. When should you order seeds so you can start seeds on time, so you can direct seed on time? And so you know which way you're supposed to plant them. Are you supposed to direct seed them or transplant them? Friends, it, it takes years, you know, as I think I closed with, the slowest way to get to where you want to be, the, the fastest way to get to where you want to be is to go the slowest. And that just means to go slow, start small, and um, make the most out of what you're doing. Cool flowers are awesome, but there is definitely a learning curve. So do not be upset with yourself or hard on yourself. It'll come. It'll come, friends. If you um, would like to learn about even more resources, if you visit my blog over at thegardenersworkshop.com, go to the Learning Center, go to the Field and Garden blog, and then go to the Cool Flower category, that, my friends, is where you will find a lot of resources that can help you out. So until we meet again next time, friends, ciao.